Good evening and welcome back to Bible class. If you are not watching this live, uh, then we just ask you to sit tight and be patient while we wait for everybody to show up, or you can fast forward about four to five minutes and then class will begin. Thank you. Hey, Melissa. Good evening. I think you're the first one. So when you say hello, everyone, I think it's just me and you so far. But good evening. Good to see you. Hope all is well. They well. You're right. <laughs> How's your day so far? Oh, we got a couple others checking in, it looks like. Good evening to those that have just jumped in. Hope you're hope you're all doing well. Glad you're with us this evening. Let us know who's here. Yeah, beautiful day. It was maybe the last last beautiful day for a while, at least temperature-wise. It was pretty nice out there. Laura, good evening. Welcome. How are you tonight? Thanks for joining us. Curious how many will find us tonight. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while since we've done this. So we'll see. Hopefully people remember. Hopefully people will join us and check it out. Who else do we have with us tonight? I see there's six devices logged on so far. We're going to give it another three minutes or so before we start just to let everybody find us or hopefully find us. Melissa, do you know when the last one we did? I, I bet you it's been almost a month. Um, glad to be back at it. So while you're waiting for the rest of the crew to show up, we are going to be in Proverbs chapter 21 through chapter 25. Have your Bibles nearby, have your worksheets ready to roll, um, and we'll get going in a little bit here. Hey, Phil, good evening. Yeah, a lot of, lot of, lot of wonderful uh, color around church today with some of the trees nearby. Joe and Marlene are here. Good evening. Welcome. Good to see you back here. Good evening, Pam. So that would be about a month then, Melissa. Yikes, that's a long time. Um, I know we had the one scheduled in there, but my voice <coughs> canceled that one. So it ended up being a longer break than, than we intended. Um, so good to be back. Again, we're going to give it a few minutes here, so just hang tight. Uh, get ready to roll. Uh, open your Bibles to Proverbs. And uh, we'll pick it up there in just a minute or two. Hey, Joel. Good evening. Welcome. Welcome back. It's uh, 6.32. It looks like we're about halfway to our usual attendance. So I'm going to give it maybe two more minutes here before we get going just to allow everybody to find us. I know there are some that I've uh, said they're coming and I haven't seen them check in yet. So we're just going to give it a little bit more time here. Hope that's all right. Hope all are doing well. Judy, good evening. How are you today? Good to see you. Another minute or so, and then we'll get going. Hi, Marge. Good evening and welcome. <clears throat> Good to hear it, Judy. Glad to hear it. 
Hey, Joanne. Yeah, I was wondering too. I was wondering about that. If I remember this, looks like it's all working like normal. Um, so should be good to go. Let me know if you're having issues with uh, audio or video. Um, things appear to be working the way they did last time we did this. I will just say, <clears throat> you know, that that month was a long time for me. I don't know if it was for you. Um, I do appreciate, though, your willingness to, to go on that break. Um, I was able to enjoy some volleyball and cross country at, and uh, got to see my kids. That was good. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Seasons are wrapping up now, so we should be back, hopefully, uh, to a more regular schedule. And all that said, I, I think we can probably get started here. Um, Oh, good, good question, Laura. Uh, hopefully, Joanne, you can. Uh, if not, I'm guessing somebody else in the crowd will be able to help you out there too, Laura. Um, if anybody, it can be on standby to send those sheets out. That'd be great. All right, it looks like we're holding steady here uh, with about the same number. So um, we're going to say a prayer and then get the ball rolling and, and uh, maybe somebody else will join us here as we go. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blessings to us uh, these past weeks, um, and we're so thankful to be back together tonight to study your word. We ask your blessing on us as we take a look at Proverbs. Help us to grow in wisdom, uh, wisdom from you. Help us to, to trust you, you and your word and to live accordingly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, can anybody else help out Laura? Um, Laura... Phil will be posting the questions as we go. So if if nothing else, you'll be able to see the questions in the chat. Um, looks like Melissa is willing there too. Um, all right. So last time, if you remember, we were in the book of Proverbs, uh, written by Solomon. Um, God's wisdom, right, for our lives in this world. And... We had noticed, too, how he tends to jump around and um, cover a lot of topics in a short amount of time. That continues in our lessons tonight. So as always, ask questions as we go, because I'm not sure I'm not going to be able to cover everything here in Proverbs. So as we start chapter 21, our first question points us to verse 11. So if you take a look at verse 11, Phil has it posted there. When a mocker is punished, the simple gain wisdom. By paying attention to the wise, they get knowledge. The question says, if you're driving in your car and you see someone pulled over for speeding, what do you instinctively do? We'll hit the brakes, right? Um, how does that apply to verse 11? How does that apply to verse 11? So what is that illustration have to do with verse 11 and and can you think of other examples of that in our lives what uh what what is solomon getting at there with verse 11 so hopefully that helps you laura that that's posted right there for you um and we'll get you those sheets here maybe after class we'll get that figured out linda hello we just posted the first question so no worries thanks for joining us glad to see you uh, looking at verse 11, when a mocker is punished, the simple gain wisdom. Um, how does uh, verse 11 speak to that? Jane, Glenn, Jean, and Joan are listening. All right, glad you are with us this evening. Uh, taking a look at verse 11 from Proverbs 21. Joan and Marlene say that um, we can learn from others' mistakes, right? Isn't that isn't that really the point when uh, the mockers punish the simple gain wisdom? God says we ought to be learning from the mistakes of others. Ron and Jones say, ha ha, he got caught, but then they checked their own speed, right? Um, it's a reminder, isn't it? Judy says we learn from seeing other people punished. So we learn from other people's mistakes. Can you think of other examples? So we've got the, the guy getting pulled over here, right? Can you think of any other examples where we learn from the mistakes of others. 
Can you think of any other examples? Maybe as kids, we learned when our older siblings uh, were disciplined for things that they did, and we learned from them and, and didn't commit those same mistakes. <clears throat> Laura says, yes, it reminds us the punishment of others, and we and we check our speed. So we it's a reminder, right? A check for us to take a look at our own lives. Anybody got another example they want to share here before we move on? Certainly the world around us has no shortage of examples that we could look at. Maybe a coworker is uh, fired or released for a certain uh, certain behavior in the office that's unacceptable, and that reminds all of us to uh, to straighten up, right? Uh, that might be an example. Um, Phil says he's cautious. I should go first. So, so maybe that's one. Uh, maybe a teammate um, breaks one of the rules. Maybe is late for curfew and then has to sit out a game. Um, that teaches the rest of the team to to abide by those rules. Um, oh, that sounds like there's a story there, Joanne, uh, breaking dorm rules at, at Bethany. Yeah, and when we see classmates, fellow students, bend the rules or break the rules and, and be punished for it, we learn from that, right? Maybe we don't make those same mistakes. All right, uh, maybe those are good enough, good enough examples there. Um, Solomon says, we need to be learning from those mistakes and not repeating those mistakes. All right, if you jump down a couple of verses, verse 15, verse 15 says, when justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. And the question says, uh, what application does Paul make to this verse? in Romans chapter 13. And Phil was good enough to post those two verses there from Romans 13. He says, For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of one in authority? Then do what is right, and you'll be commended. They're God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So what application does Paul make here um, with these words from Romans Proverbs tells us when justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous. Um, what, what application does Paul make to those words? Maybe a different way of asking this. What do God-fearing people look for from their government? Um, it's a different thing than criminals look for from their government. Marge says, do what is right so you don't have to live in fear, right? Uh, yeah, if we're going to be law-abiding citizens, live godly lives, we shouldn't have to worry about that for our own lives. But on the same note, as we're doing what is right for ourselves, um, why does the believer, why does the child of God find joy when justice is done? That might seem like an odd Odd thought. Phil says justice and order is wanted, right? We want that from our government. Um, Judy says authorities will or should punish the wrongdoer. Um, we want that, right? We Why do we want the wrongdoer uh, to be punished? It keeps us safe, right? It, it, it helps us know that there is a right and wrong and that um, we can be secure in, in our lives. Um, when a government carries out justice, of course, the, the lawbreaker is going to feel threatened, but the, the one who abides by the law is going to feel uh, vindicated. Um, Joel says it deters criminal activity. Absolutely, right? It's um, going to make hopefully make them uh, think twice, right, about those kinds of things. And absolutely, Joanne, we're looking for a sense of fairness, and I think that's what Marlene means when she says justice is blind and true, right? Regardless of who the person is, um, we're looking for right and wrong to be upheld, regardless of background, regardless of position, um, regardless of money, right? Those kinds of things. We're looking for a fair, fair, fair sense of justice from the government that, that is over us. 
Feel free to ask any questions if you have them. We're going to jump a couple verses again. So if you have any other thoughts here, please feel free to, to throw them out there. Um, so he transitions here and talks a little bit about uh, the poor. And then if you get to verse 20, uh, he, he, he starts talking about possessions and money. What does verse 20 suggest that a wise person will do with some of his or her money? Uh, Judy had posted here that justice helps us feel safe in our community. Absolutely. Um, we want to be able to have our events, right? Our parades and our community events with, without being afraid for our safety. And a just government helps ensure that. All right, so what does a person suggest to you that a wise person, or what does Proverbs suggest that a wise person is going to do with some of his or her money? If you look at um, verse 20, it says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Um, not really, Marlene. Um, it talks about how government is God's servant. Uh, so hopefully they are going to be people who would accept God's will. Um, but the Bible doesn't really prescribe any certain kind of government uh, for us. So there's really no laid out, yeah, it must be this person or this kind of person. So Judy says they're going to save for a rainy day. Linda says they are going to plan for their future. Right, Proverbs says here we're going to, it's, it's wise to save some money. Now, um, this isn't the same as hoarding. Um, what's the difference? What's the difference here? A wise man, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. What's what's the difference between saving and hoarding? Ron and Jones say a wise person plans ahead, stores things up for the future. Wise people do not use things up as they get them. Immediate gratification. That is so hard, right? We heard a little bit about that in the sermon on Sunday, right? There are so many things here that, ah, man, just almost demand and beg for our our money. Um, and immediate gratification, it can be really immediate, right? With Amazon and, and our cell phones and, man, just with one tap of a screen, right, we can have all kinds of things. So that can make it hard, Um so Linda says, I think in, in response to my question here, hoarding is keeping more than, than one's need, one needs. Um, it's not wrong to save, but we also don't want to be the guy that Jesus talks about in Matthew, right? Who's storing everything up in barns and then uh, his life is demanded from him, right? Um, yeah, so Melissa, it can lead to wasting, right? If we are too, saving up too many things. Um, so be wise, right? Um, God wants us to enjoy life, enjoy what we have, take care of our families. But it is wise to save ahead. Bible doesn't tell you how much to save. And we sure don't want to make the saving more important than the God who gave it, right? So that's important to think about too. Marlene talks about impulse spending. That's so easy in our age, um, in our in our day. And good point there, Judy. If we don't start there, um, it, we're not going to get it right anyway, right? We need to recognize our possessions as gifts from God. Only if we start in that, with that mindset, you know, can we can we get this right? Um, and even then, it's, it's really hard to do. Um, so okay to save, wise to save really should be, but... Um, but then, you know, the questions can be how much is too much or how much is the right amount to end. Uh, we need a healthy dose of trust in the Lord here, right, for this to be um, to be worthwhile. All right, anybody else there? Anybody else? Uh, savings, for a lot of people, provides a sense of security. And we sure want to find our security in the Lord, not in our savings. But but again, it is wise to have savings. The Bible's clear on that too. So 
Um, being a Christian doesn't mean you, you shouldn't save. Um, but we don't want to put our trust in what we save. All right, let's, that's probably good there. Let's jump down. Number four, when do we need to remember verse 30? There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. When do you and I need to remember that verse? I can think of a couple of scenarios. When do we need to remember that verse? There, I think there's some law and some gospel here, perhaps. Anybody have a thought? So Judy says, when we speak of our faith, help me understand that one, Judy. Um, no wisdom, insight, or plan that can, see, can succeed against the Lord. Are you saying that as we share our faith, uh, nobody can defeat that. Is that is that am I understanding or guessing where you're going there? Um, if not, um, maybe just give me a little bit more there. Yeah, I, boy, what a what a promise, right? When we're sharing the gospel, um, nobody can thwart that, right? The gates of hell cannot prevail against uh, the gospel. Oh, interesting. So she says, when others put us down for our beliefs, um, they cannot succeed in that way. Um, gotcha. Yeah, and that that's for sure true too and comforting as well. Melissa says, when we feel shaken and like everything is crumbling to remember God is still in charge. Um, yes, it feels like the church is losing, right? God's kingdom is losing ground in this world. That's a good reminder. The other hand here, Marlene has a good one. You can't fool God, right? There's no deception, no trick, no plan, no plotting that is going to fool God. So just right now in our hearts, let, let's just be aware of that. Let's admit that. I, I can't fool God. Um, I can hide things from everybody else, but, but I can't against God. I, I'm not going to be able to work around what he wants for me. So I might as well just, come clean and own up to it and, and trust the Lord. Uh, Joanne, that's a good one too. I hadn't thought of. She says, when we're trusting more in ourselves than in the Lord. Yeah. Um, as smart as we think we are, we're not going to do anything that God doesn't want to happen, right? We're not going to succeed uh, when he has something else in mind. Good. I, um, and finally, just maybe in general, um, hey, Robert, glad you're with us tonight. We've been off for a couple of weeks, so you haven't missed too much here. Um, so glad you're back with us tonight. We're in Proverbs 21. It is, Laura, super easy, right? Uh, Pam says, when we think we know better. Um, finally, anytime you and I are making any kind of a plan, we really ought to keep verse 30 in mind. Right, and we ought to commit our plans to him and ask his blessing on them, otherwise, um, we're not going anywhere, right? All right, good discussion there. Anybody else have thoughts on chapter 21? Anything we covered or anything we didn't cover? We're going to be switching to the next chapter here, so anybody have a thought or a question? If not, we'll jump into uh, chapter 22. Uh, verse 1, not, I don't have a question on your sheet here, but uh, a good name is more desirable than great riches. Um, there's value in having a good reputation, this eighth commandment here. Um, so protect your reputation and the reputation of others. Good reminder there in verse 1. Uh, first question takes a look at verses 2 through 4. Um, talks about rich and poor and, and just their relationship to each other. Why should the rich not despise the poor? 
And what example do we find here in James? So why should the rich not despise the poor, according to Proverbs 22? It's kind of a long question, but um, why should the rich not despise the poor? Let's start with that. Right, Melissa, God has created all of us, right? Um, we're all made in God's image, as she says, another way to say that. So we all belong to him. Um, so if we are going to despise the poor, we're despising <clears throat> those whom God has made. Jane said God made us all and we're all loved by him. So that's the first part of the question. Then he says, um, uh, so it looks at James. And what do we see there in James? That people are favoring the rich and neglecting the poor. Do you see any examples of that in the church today? And I don't necessarily mean in the in pilgrim church today, just the Christian church at large. Do we see examples of people of the church favoring the rich. Can anybody think of an example of that? Or would you say uh, when we've got this figured out now and, and it's not an issue? Judy says, God created us all. We all depend on him. Uh, being rich doesn't make them better than the poor, Laura says. Joanne says, rich or poor, we all need a savior, right? Think of the rich man and poor Lazarus. Both those guys needed a Jesus. Uh, only one, of course, trusted in Jesus. Um, yeah, you're right, Linda. Uh, in fact, we heard that verse recently in church. Um, some unknowingly, right, were hosp hospitable or showing hospitality to angels. So anybody got an example uh, where the church maybe favors the rich against the poor or is ignoring the poor? Anybody have an example of that? I I don't know if I have anything specific, but I don't think it's hard to imagine uh, a church catering perhaps to the wealthy members um, or allowing them to perhaps make decisions just because they have money. I don't think that's hard for us to imagine. Um, perhaps you've seen that play out um, in, in churches at times. Um, I do love the way at least the places I've served, it wasn't common knowledge what people were giving. And so that removed that from a lot of people's minds. But I could see that being a, a temptation or a danger. If we jumped, I'm not seeing anything there. So let's go down to verse 6. Verse 6. Uh, this is probably the most quoted verse from the book of Proverbs. How do these verses encourage parents? And let's say grandparents. Um, how do these words encourage parents and grandparents? Proverbs 22, 6. Start the child off in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Linda, I've heard about those examples, and uh, man, I, that's just terrible. Um, what, what that does to conscience is um, I'm glad we aren't doing that. All right, verse 6, probably the most quoted verse here in Proverbs. How does this verse encourage you as a parent or a grandparent? Anybody have a thought on that one? We need that verse, right? Because all children, all grandchildren, they're all sinful, just like us. They're always going to have challenges and problems in life, just like we do. Um, so what is the encouragement here for verse 6? Linda says that's her daily verse, still is for her granddaughter. Ay, 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 Joanne. That's, uh, I know they used to do that, but... Man, that's all law, right? There, what what encouragement is there in that? Uh, thanks for sharing that. Uh, Judy says, when children receive Christian training, they won't lose it. Or if they do, they'll return to it later in life. Um, 
Phil says, hard-headed kids will remember the days of the youth. I just got to say, um, yesterday, met an individual, um, grew up in the church, had been away for decades, and uh, called, and we had a wonderful visit yesterday. They they want to come back. They they want want to be with Jesus, and uh, just an awesome thing. Um, I, I know you guys have seen examples of kids maybe who get confirmed and you don't see them for a while, but then something happens, they come back. Um, Laura says, even if they stray, if we lay the foundation, they'll return to it. Um, what an awesome promise here. Children often return to the path when that foundation is laid. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've visited people um, all kinds of situations in their lives. But when push comes to shove, they remember that creed. They remember that Lord's Prayer. They remember those promises about Jesus. Um, when that foundation is laid, so often um, we, we, and we all, right? We, we, if we never maybe strayed fully, we've all at times kind of wandered off the path a bit, right? And, um, what a blessing to have that foundation that is laid. Any other questions? I, can, I mean, I, I can think of so many grandparents in my office over the years, um, and we talk about this verse because there's concerns about grandchildren or, or children, as I've talked to parents. Um, just an awesome verse. So keep loving them, keep praying for them, keep encouraging them. Uh, Phil says it's on us to encourage them to be in the Word, serving in church, yeah, yeah, right. We shouldn't forget them either. And we try to give opportunities to serve, um, you know, do the AV or, or usher. Um, and, and we have some kids that are do that. Some of them are playing instruments uh, on worship. Um, so we try that. And that's a good thought. And isn't that awesome too, Judy, that they, they remember those hymns that, again, that foundation that is laid is so important. All right, anybody else? Feel free to, to comment. We're going to move on here. Um, so 13, I don't know if that uh, was confusing for you or not, but the question says, why does a sluggard say the preposterous things mentioned in verse 13? He says there's a lion outside or I'll be killed in the public square. Why is he why is he making those outlandish claims? Anybody have a thought on that one? So Melissa said he's grasping, I'll say, right? He's grasping for excuses to not do the things he should do. Right, he he has any excuse, no matter how ridiculous, to avoid work. Right, Judy says they're using any excuse not to work, um, whatever they can come up with, not to carry out the tasks or the duties that that they should be doing. And we do that at a time, right? Uh, yeah, Marge. Yep, you're you're on it. There, excuses they don't have to work. Um, you look in Proverbs, and the sluggard is never spoken of highly. God encourages us to work hard, to be faithful, not to make excuses, and just to get to get things done that we need to get done. Okay. Then I'm gonna we're gonna jump you all the way to verse 28. Um, again, just a lot of bouncing around here, a lot of a lot of good thoughts. But uh, down in 28, he says, "Do not move an ancient boundary stone." set up by your ancestors. What's the point of that verse? That, what's what's the point there? Don't move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. Why does Solomon give that? Linda says, yeah, it's stealing land. Um, those boundary stones used to mark territory. And so if you picked up and moved a stone, you were stealing land from your neighbor. And remember that those stones marked the inheritance, right, in the promised land. So you, you, they're, you're messing with their inheritance. 
Um, and God says, let's, let's not do that, right? Nobody should be stealing. Nobody should be messing with each other's inheritance. Judy says, don't take what's not, what's not yours, right? Um, similar today, if you have to put a fence up in your yard, you have to measure the lot line, right? You can't put it in your neighbor's property, right? Same kind of deal. Um, you gotta, you can't take what, what isn't yours, what doesn't belong to you. Phil says he noticed this recently at the cemetery. Our ancestors bought a plot and it was struck. Uh, so meaning somebody, somebody dug into it, uh, onto your side. Um, yeah, we, God says we need to be careful about that. Anybody else on chapter 22? Any verses jump out at you that we didn't cover in that chapter? Anybody else have a thought or a question on anything here? Um, maybe one other thought as I look back here. Um, so back to verse 6 really quickly, train a, a child. Um, that word train, it, that it's not just a cognitive thing. It's not just we are teaching. Um, we're also showing. So if we as moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas are, aren't showing what this is supposed to be like, we're not fully training them, right? So, so for example, dropping kids off at Sunday school while we go do other things, that, that's not really training. Um, talking about church but not getting them to church or not going with them, that, that's not really training, right? It's not just head knowledge. It's showing. Um, it's leading by example, as Linda says there. Um, do as I say and as I do. Yeah, so I just I wanted to make sure to make that point there. Sometimes I think we talk a good game. But man, we learn so much more than showing a good game. I, I, I think I've told you a couple times. Just I learned so much just by watching, watching the people in my life as a kid, whether it was dad or grandpa, or just that. A lot of the training is in the doing. And you guys, it looks like you're all, all agreeing here, right? It's it's a way of life. We're talking and walking. It's constant witness witnessing. Um, I like that translation there, Joel. I think it um, that that says we are. It's a big deal, right? We're making a big deal about this as we're showing them um, uh, this way to go. Good. Anybody else? Chapter twenty-two. Anybody else? Other thoughts? Phil says, verse 20. Um, so what are you noticing there, Phil? Yeah, he is encouraging us. Um, so he can teach us, but also hopefully in turn, we can turn around and teach others and mentor them as well. Um, yeah, this ought to be rubbing off, right? Not just on us, but on, on the people that, look up to us as well. Linda, that's that's good parenting, isn't it? Um, we don't run from our parents who've disciplined us. We run back to them, right? Because we know there's love and forgiveness there. Same with God. We don't run from him. Uh, we run back to him. And we know that forgiveness works that, that same way. Let's jump into 23, okay? Verse 4 to 5. Excuse me. Um, 23, verses 4 to 5. Why is wealth such a poor goal to have in life? Why is wealth or riches such a poor goal to have in life? I thought... Um, I enjoyed this illustration he uses here in these two verses. Uh, this calls to mind Matthew 6, that we were talking about that before. Um, 
So Laura says, you, you can't take it with you in the end. Um, Judy says that too, and, and wealth is fleeting. Um, it, it, riches fade. Yeah, it. they have a way of disappearing, don't they? Um, wealth isn't permanent. It's easily lost, whether it's a market crashing or emergency that takes place and you have to you know, dip into the savings. It it goes so quickly and it doesn't last. So why stress out about it, right? Why, why set that as your goal? Uh, you're bound to be disappointed if that's your goal. Um, Judy says money doesn't buy happiness either. Um, yeah, Melissa, and I think that's what it does. Even, even when we say it's not going to happen, it does. Um, we focus on it so much. Marge says we could become obsessed with it. And, I, and I'll say too, um, yes, we could become obsessed with getting rich. Um, but can we, can't we also just become obsessed with getting just a little bit more? Um, a lot of us maybe aren't going to be rich by certain standards. But by other standards, we are compared to a lot of people. Um, so we can become obsessed with just the amount that we have. In protecting the amount that we have, it's, ah, man, it's a slippery slope. And so we got to be careful, really got to be careful. <clears throat> that's a good way to, that's a good point too, Laura. It, it, it's never satisfying, right? It's always a little bit more. Um, a, a famous billionaire some years ago, when asked how much was enough, he said, just a little more, right? You're never going to have enough. Look at these athletes contracts today. Um, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. When is it ever enough? It, it never is, right? Because the next guy's got to get more than the guy before him. And that that works for us too, right? Obviously in smaller figures, but but we tend to treat it that way too. So so don't set so set your heights high, set your sights higher, right? Set your goals higher. Marlene says, yeah, man, all of us are so blessed, right? Let's Let's not complain so much. Let's be thankful and, and happy with what we have. All right, uh, number two. Looks down to uh, verses 13 and 14. Number two says, A child who is being spanked might scream bloody murder, but Solomon assures parents that their child will not die. But how might failing to punish a child in an appropriate way actually lead to his death, both physical and spiritual? So in other words, Solomon is saying, if we don't discipline appropriately, there are consequences to that. What? How might failing to punish a child in a proper way lead to physical and or spiritual death? <laughs> Linda. Um, okay, so he understood. Um, he understood what should follow, right? That forgiveness um, should follow the the sin. So Laura says that if if we don't discipline, they won't see the consequences to the actions, right? Which mean the actions continue, and the older we get, right, the more the bigger ramifications that can have. Uh, Judy says, spoiling a child can lead to a reckless lifestyle, leading to death physically or spiritually. Yep, absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, uh, it, it, kids, kids, young people can get into serious trouble, right? If they haven't maybe been disciplined carefully. Um and maybe they don't lose the serious, maybe they don't understand the seriousness of sin if they've never been disciplined. Um, and that can cause them to lose the path to heaven, right? To not be um, focused on their heavenly home. So there are long-term ramifications. Now it can go too far the other way too, right? We're not here to be um, tyrants and, 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 and overly disciplined and punish either. That, that's not what this is saying. Um, but when sin occurs needs to be pointed out and corrected and, and lovingly disciplined for the good of the child. Um, 
flip side, let's look at number three. I think uh, hopefully we can have some good discussion here. Um, just talking about parenting again. And I think, you know, we all have different perspectives on this as we, we and our kids get older and as maybe we transition into being grandparents. Um, number three, parents are often quick to criticize, correct, and punish their children. But what should they also remember to do even more often, according to verses 15 and 16? We'll just start with that. And then I'll ask the rest of the question here in a little bit. So looking at verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 and 16. What should parents remember to do most often? Laura says, love and praise them. Yeah. Um, let them know if they did something well, right? Tell them you're proud of them. Um, acknowledge their hard work. Acknowledge when they do the things that you've asked them to do. Because um, the danger is, so discipline is important, but if that's all that happens, if we're only ever pointing out the wrong and we don't point out the right, well, that that discourages in a hurry, right? So um, we need to encourage, we need to compliment, we need to tell them how happy we are with them. Uh, Marge says, give them words of encouragement. Um, so, so, so praise them when, when appropriate. Um, yeah, right. Um, and, and even deserving it, right. Um, when you talk about praising them, there can be places where we praise the effort even when the outcome wasn't good, um, right? Sometimes it's the effort that we need to praise because they'll learn from if it didn't turn out right. Um, so find those places to praise them. So what would you say then to a parent who says, I would like to praise my child, but I can't find a reason to do it? What would you say to a parent who says, I'd like to praise my child, but I can't find a reason to do it. What would you say to such a parent? <laughs> Linda says, look harder. Okay. I think so. That's a good place to start, right? Take a closer look and see. Yeah, Phil, and when they express their faith, um, that's a big deal too, right? And we want to comp, we want to point that out and encourage that too. Um, so Linda says, look harder. I think maybe I would say, stop being so critical. Um, Melissa says, I would wonder if their expert expectations are too high, <clears throat> and they're expecting unrealistic things from their child. I, I think that's important, Melissa. It's so easy, I think, for parents today um, to think that their kids never do anything wrong. Um, maybe we all have the, the mom goggles on, right? And we think that our kids are going to be the next Tiger Woods um, in whatever sport they're playing. Um, I think high expectations can be an issue. Um, Judy says praise keeps the door open for conversation when they have concerns and problems. Yeah, I, I think that's, if it's all criticism all the time, they're not going to open up to you. Um, Laura says she thinks they need to ask God to show them. Yeah, pray about it, right? When in doubt, that's always good. Pray about it. Um, Marlene says to look at their strengths with love. <laughs> Joel says, ask the child's mom for suggestions. Moms see the best more than dads at times. Yeah, hey, that's, 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 uh, I think it's easy, especially, so I'll just say, especially raising boys, I think it's easier for dads to be critical. Um, and the moms have a knack for for seeing the, the good. So that's, uh, yeah, I can't argue with you there. So make a game of it, Linda says, uh, looking for kindnesses. Um, I just, all kinds of ways here. So I just, um, I just think it's important to, uh, keep a balance here. And, and Marlene says, encourage them in the things they are interested in. Because finally, whatever they're into, 
they're learning how to serve Jesus, right? And and they need to be encouraged in that. Um, not not only always receiving criticism. Um, so, all right, um, good stuff there. Let's go to number twenty, verse twenty nine. So verse 29, um, and really, if you look at the rest of the chapter, 29 to 35, he gives six rhetorical questions there. Um, finally, what are these questions suggesting about the results of abusing alcohol? What are these questions suggesting? Suggesting. Kind of a um, I I did not intend this plan words. Um, I was gonna say it's it's a sobering, right? It's um, and no pun intended. It's really takes a, an open look at what can happen here. Um, what are these questions suggesting? <clears throat> Melissa says, yeah, and I would just tweak it to say that the abuse of alcohol does not bring good things to your life, right? Um, abusing this this blessing um, really, really brings some problems, right? And I think Solomon is saying, uh, think about what you're doing to yourself, right? Um, look, at it's, ca it's causing harm, and yet they just can't get enough of it. And... Um, yeah, nothing good's coming comes from this, Melissa. Right, so um, think about it. Don't don't get sucked in. Right, don't get sucked in. Ron and Jones say, yeah, very point blank. Right, it, it hurts. It hurts you. Right, you you don't benefit. You don't gain from this. What uh, what are you doing to yourself? Right, uh, why are you doing? Why are you putting yourself through this? Um, the gain you think is not a gain. Right. And Judy says he almost makes it humorous. Right. He, he's kind of walking that line, isn't he? And it's. Um, yeah, borderline humorless, borderline. Um, far fetched almost. Right. But it's. It, in a sense, he's highlighting the delusion of it all. Um, and Ron and Joan, that is very true. Um, the longer you're in, the harder it is to overcome. And, and you and I, I'm sure everybody knows examples of that. It's it's a tough. Um, yeah, good thought there too, Joel, right? This would be fifth commandment stuff, right? Abusing the body that God has given. Um, so God would encourage us to not, uh, not do that, obviously. Thank you. All right, we got uh, two chapters yet here. So... Um, Let's uh, jump into 24. Phil's got the question there. What kind of house might wisdom build besides a physical dwelling? And what kind of treasures will fill the rooms of that house? So he's speaking, uh, you know, he's painting a picture here with these words, right? So what, um, what other kinds of houses can wisdom build besides a physical dwelling. Do you understand what he's getting at here? So think of other kinds of rooms. What what is he getting at? So Linda says good habits. Okay, I think um a good good habits, good godly habits can be some of the treasures that fill the rooms of a house. So maybe your good godly habit is daily devotion and prayer time. What a treasure that is, right? Maybe your daily habit um, is talking to your neighbor about Jesus. Those are treasures that can fill the rooms of a house. Um, Judy says, a house filled with Christian love and understanding of God's word. Man, what a treasure that is too, right? Uh, Melissa says, beautiful family. Um, beautiful in the sense of we're all God's children, right? And, and we all belong to him. We're all part of his kingdom. Um, so Laura, yeah, maybe rooms devoid of sinful distractions. 
a lot of people mentioning love and support here, right? Uh, um, Ron and Joan, again, same thing there. A refuge in a sinful world that's a safe place. Um, a, a servant's heart Phil talks about. Quiet time, Pam says, with the Lord to start your day. Yeah, all good examples here. Um, and, and it's not just the home, right? Maybe it's the rooms at your, at your business. Uh, maybe it's the the car as you're driving, right? The, just think of the places where you are and where you serve. Um, we haven't mentioned things yet like honesty and integrity and generosity and fairness and common sense, right? All of these things are treasures that fill a house that come from, from wisdom. And notice we haven't said anything about money. We haven't said anything about the size of the house. It's about what's going on in the house, right? And it all flows from wisdom that we get through the Lord or from the word through the Holy Spirit. All right, verse 10, let's jump on, jump ahead. We don't have too many more minutes here tonight. Um, according to verse 10, when it will become clear whether or not you are a person of strength. We all want to be a strong person, right? Um, when will it become clear whether or not you are a person of strength? In times of trouble, Ryan and Jones say, absolutely. Um, our strength is tested in times of trouble. So what does this suggest then about what we should do before times of trouble come? You're all absolutely right. We don't learn about our strength when life is good. We don't learn about our strength when we're going when, when we have no problems. So what does this suggest then about a person? What should he do before times of trouble come? Very often we don't do it until trouble comes. What should we be doing before trouble comes? Jane says we should pray. I would say that is part of what we should do. We should pray for strength. Judy says Study the word and build your faith and knowledge for when that time of trouble comes, you can fall back on it. Um, the best thing that we can do when life is good is to keep growing in our faith and building that strength. Melissa says it, it requires faith strength training. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're going to the gym for your physical training, you ought to be doing something for your spiritual training as well. So, yeah, good thoughts here, everybody, right? Build yourselves up in the faith through the word, um, especially perhaps when life is good so that when that trouble comes, you, you, you're, you're ready for it, right? Um, all right, number three, give examples of times when people are being led away to death while others claimed that they know nothing about this. Good thoughts there, too, from the Myers and, and Linda. Um, word and prayer, right? Word and prayer. It's like inhaling and exhaling, right, every day. So Jane's got a good example there, the Holocaust for number three. Yep, that's a biggie. People were being led away. Others claimed we knew nothing about this. Um, that's a huge one. Uh, I would say there's another big one. There it is. Judy's got abortion. Um those are, are, are big examples, people being led away to death, others claiming we knew nothing about this. Um, what threat is made here? Phil's got the question. What threat is made against those who dishonestly claim ignorance? What threat is made? Verse... Uh, Verse 12, what threat is made? God knows, uh, Judy says, right? Judgment is coming. Um, judgment is coming. So ignorance is not going to fly. Um, God knows. God knows. All right. Couple more quickly here at the end of the chapter. Why is it important to get your fields ready before building your house? In verse 27, um, 
what's the general principle here that applies to other areas of life as well? Um, basically, what he's saying is do the most important things first, right? And so we would say attend to your spiritual needs. Um, I'm missing a few comments here, though. Marlene says mass shootings. Uh, we could do something about it. Um, yeah, Joel, yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I, I think that's social media, really, to me. Um, the impact social media is having on our culture, Joel, I think is what you're describing there. Um, and and we know that, but nobody's like, we're not going to give that up, right? As a society, we're not going to give up our phones at this point. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. So, um, I, I, I hate, I, I don't want to do this, but, um, we're just about out of time here. Um, so I'm going to quickly just give a few thoughts on chapter 25. Uh, first question says, what wisdom do verses seven and eight give us? Um, don't judge by first appearance. Things aren't always what they seem. Uh, think it through. Um, uh, let's see, verse 20, um, what practical application might that have on a nursing home or a hospital visit? You look at verse 20. Um, finally, I speak words of comfort with them, right, when you're there and, and pray with them. Um, I know I'm going really fast, but it it is 7.30, and I wanna I don't want to keep you any longer here. Um I maybe maybe I'll just gonna I'll just say who else has a comment or question here on something that we have have covered or haven't covered from this reading. Anybody else with a thought or a question uh, from these five chapters that we didn't did not cover that you want to highlight or quest or ask about? Can't tell you, by the way, how glad I am to be at this again. I, maybe, maybe a little rusty. We'll see. I mean, it's been a month, but um, glad to be at this again, and glad to see so many out tonight and, and taking part in the class. Melissa, that yes, that's a perfect response there to verse twenty. Match the tone. Um, don't rub your joy in their grief and pain. I like the way you said that. Um, pick your spots. Be appropriate. Um, match the tone. I like that. Yeah, good encouragement there, um, Joel. I, I appreciate that as well. Um, yeah, so let's see here. Uh, Pam says she's amazed at how much she's getting out of Proverbs through this class. Glad to hear that. There's so much, and, and that's the, I agree with you, Pam, and, and the cool thing is as much as we're getting out of this, there's a lot we just aren't covering because there's so much here. Um, so I would encourage you, I think I said this at the beginning, um, you, you could do a whole lot worse than, than reading through Proverbs, uh, even just a couple of verses every morning and just making that a regular, a regular thing for you. Joanne says verse 11 is most definitely true. I assume we're talking verse 25. Yeah, and, and that boy, that takes a skill, doesn't it, Joanne, to speak those words appropriately at the right time. But what a blessing that is or can be. All right, anything else today? Anybody else have other thoughts or questions? Laura, I agree, and, and thank you, Marlene. That That is always so clear, by the way, everybody. it's uh, I'm blessed to be your pastor here. Um, so next week, we're going to finish Proverbs, Lord willing, uh, 26 through the end of the chapter. And then, then we're going to switch to a New Testament book. Phil, Phil is on top of it tonight. He's got some books listed there that we can pick from. I'm willing to tackle any of those. I would say if we can hold off on Revelation for a bit, I might appreciate that just because... I know the prep work on that is going to be more than the others. Um, I'm not saying we won't ever do it. I'm just saying let's maybe hold off for a little. So Joanne says Colossians. Melissa says interested in Titus. Um, 
She likes ones we don't study as much. Joan's saying Corinthians or Ephesians. So all are good. Um, we could even knock out a couple of the smaller ones. So, so we got some good suggestions there. Um, think on it for next week and let me know. Joel says Timothy or Titus. Yeah, those could be, uh, definitely could apply uh, for a current situation. So we got some to pick from here. Um, I'm just going to quick jot those down. And then I would love to hear feedback. If, if any of those that were mentioned strike you, let me know. Uh, cast your vote. And uh, we'll go from there. All right. Anybody else tonight? Anybody else tonight? Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Really glad to see see everybody again. Um, I'm glad too, Melissa. So we'll see you next week. Um, we'll finish up Proverbs and uh, we'll get going on the next one. All right. God bless everybody. Um, have a great night. And yeah, Phil, that's a, I, I like that. That's a good observation. Um, thank you, Judy. All right, everybody, you're all welcome. And uh, we'll see you next week. God bless you. Have a good rest of the week. We'll see you soon.